Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. It's Thursday evening, which means we have somebody legit. Whenever we get those super guests, it is Thursday night, and we have David Eckert from the Clarion Ledger, the Ole Miss beat writer. How you doing, David? I appreciate it, Stephen. Yeah. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, you know – you know, I, I just my, my day was transformed, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this. I want to what it when it is in your mind the right point at which you're allowed to start eating fall food, because I just had a pumpkin spice popsicle that changed my life, and I just wanted to tell you about it. You know, a I have a problem with pumpkin spice. I don't know why. <laughs> just that whole thing. It, it is it is bizarre. Um, but fall food, let's, let's say Oktoberfest beer. Let's do that. That'll, okay. that, that'll okay. be the fall thing. I, I think October 1st is the time when you can truly just switch over to that, especially in a place like Mississippi, because let's face it, September is basically summer light in Mississippi. Sure. Uh, sure. Down here in Florida, that would be January, but up in Mississippi, <laughs> that is September. Um, but yeah, the pumpkin spice craze, I feel like somebody just got a little bit out of control with it. And it's almost like Furby or um, those <laughs> those those go-to things from back in the day. I think that is where pumpkin spice is right now. I blame Starbucks. I blame several people. But you shouldn't – I don't know if you should have like pumpkin spice donuts. You know, stuff like that, there, there's no need. Yeah, it – See, I won't put it in my coffee. I'm not a sweet coffee person, so I'm never doing like, you know, pumpkin spice lattes or anything. But, you know, it's like a little treat here and there. Yeah, I think it's all right. Yeah, I, and I, I get it. But like the those Halloween, those um, those true um, autumn foods, I think October 1st. Okay. okay. That, that That's kind of the start, which, I mean, let's be honest. If you had that, A, a pumpkin spice popsicle that doesn't necessarily make sense and a I can't really register that, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's in the last week of September, so you're probably close enough, but it's kind of like what I worry about with pumpkin spice, because that is becoming the new fall thing. You can go into Walmart right now and see Christmas decorations. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it's like, come on, it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday in the world. It always has been. You got the egg bowl. You have everything around. It was the holiday that my grandmother most cared about. All the family came back for it. I mean, it's the big day in the family. And now we just got to the point where, okay, we just need to overlook that. Let's, let's go ahead and start preparing for Christmas. Yeah. Thanksgiving has become the black Friday Eve, you know? (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's uh, I'm with you though. We need to respect the sanctity of Thanksgiving. I don't know exactly. how we got here. I'm sorry. Yeah. For that. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to get back with saying, I think this is going to be the last year that Ole Miss versus Mississippi State is on Thanksgiving night. I think next year it will be Texas and Texas A&M because that mm-hmm. is a traditional Thanksgiving game. I think they're going to get – everybody's going to want to watch that. And um, Ole Miss and Mississippi State will be back on Saturday. Interesting. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that, but – Hmm. I guess logistically it does make some sense, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't been down here long enough to know if that would upset folks or not. Um, it, it depends. Some yeah. people that tailgate in the Grove 
and, and they make a big, big deal with that. I think they would prefer it to be on Saturday and media members. Okay. If you told any many media member that's covering this game, they obviously don't want to work on Thanksgiving. Um, but I think gen- I actually yeah. like the Yeah. I like the game on Thanksgiving. It's fun. It's a nice way at the end of the night, you cut on the game, you have your Turkey. It, it's fun for me. And you know, weird things happen in the egg bowl and mm-hmm. I've, that is going to be swept under the rug when it's happening at 11 o'clock on Saturday, you know? Yeah. That's that makes my sense. opinion. Yeah, it is. I mean, you have the nation's college football attention, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there's NFL on, but you know, that, that is kind of unique because I don't know that there is another slot anywhere where you get that outside of, you know, the national championship games the playoff, but yeah, it's a unique window. Part, I think part of Ole Miss building its brand happened because of this being on that night and yeah. being the eyes were people that doesn't normally pay attention or paying attention. Um, but you know, people are going to get it on Saturday. I think that's destined to happen. You, you, you get what you asked for essentially. All right. So let's turn our attention. We're five minutes into this right now. And let's, <laughs> we're finally going to turn our attention to the Magnolia bowl, which this is your first time covering an Ole Miss LSU game. And, and I was trying to explain to you um, before we started recording what this game means to Ole Miss fans. This is probably the game on the schedule that Ole Miss fans most want to win. Not the game that they most don't want to lose. That's the Egg Bowl. But the game they most want to win. And because of that, the effort and the game that you actually see on the field, this is a highly prone to upset type football game. Mm-hmm. This is a game that can get a little bit weird. It can get a little bit scattered in the fourth quarter and it's not necessarily a talent base now there's been some situations when lsu just absolutely burnt raced old miss that that's right. not what i'm saying right but it's a situation you go back to 2013 with hugh freeze playing against top 10 lsu team and Ole miss had like 13 starters out that night Ole Miss won the game so this is a game that can get get sideways on lsu and i think lsu is legitimately scared of this game if you talk to their fans because of the way their defense has performed, they've been in the hundreds on in pass coverage. They are 10th or 11th in the SEC in sacks, which their front seven is athletic, is what Ole Miss saw this previous weekend. But if they're not getting home, they're not getting home. What do you think that Ole Miss needs to do to be overly competitive in this game? Yeah, I mean, they need, they need to win the line of scrimmage. Um, Obviously, I mean, there's moments that you can point to in that Alabama game that that were difference makers. But to me, Ole Miss lost the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and that's why they lost the game. So, um, obviously, we've we've talked about um, the offensive line being an issue kind of repeatedly. That seems to be the storyline every week, and I don't think that's going away. Um, but defensively, you know, I, th- I think that, that front, whatever number you want to assign there, depending on – how you look at Pete Golding's defense needs to needs to be a little bit better. Um, yeah, and then you know they've got to make Jaden Daniels uncomfortable. Um, I know we're going to get onto that a little bit, but um, that to me is you got you got to perform in the trenches. That offensively, that gives you um, the platform that you need for your skill players to make a difference. You know, Ole Miss's skill players didn't have an impact in uh, in that Alabama game, right? Um, so, and then defensively. It's uh, it's everything. I mean, it, it allows you to create that chaos that can lead to difference-making turnovers. Obviously, you know, getting after the quarterback 
Um, I, I don't think Ole Miss can, you know, just kind of go into a shell against LSU and be like one of those bend but don't break defenses that you kind of see a lot in college football that become popular. I don't think that's the path to winning this game for them. They need to they need to control the line of scrimmage. You know, I've got a theory right now, and I, let me run this by you real quick. And that is Ole Miss is running in the past game a lot of slow developing plays. Mm-hmm. Most of them are RPOs, so it's probably second and third level RPOs. So against Mercer, against Tulane, against Georgia Tech, you can do that. But when the athletes get better, like Alabama, like LSU, like Georgia, you're going to naturally have less time to do it. So your past game doing that is going to be less effective. Ole Miss, in my opinion, needs a short, quick passing game. Hitches, slants, bubbles, that type of stuff. Pop passes to the tight end. That would slow down the linebacker flow, let you stay ahead of the change because because you're not going to complete many third downs on third and 12. You're just not in this league against these teams. And I think that quick passing game can fix just about everything that's wrong because people blame it on the protection. I blame it on slow developing plays and almost getting a little bit cute. Yeah, I think I think there's some validity to that. I think, you know, what Lane Kiffin said after Alabama was, I mean, to me, my personal interpretation, he, he basically said, we need to hit some shots, which to me says, we don't believe that we can move the ball bit by bit by bit by bit down the field against this defense. You know, we, we're going to need to do it all at once. We're going to need to have some good variance on our shot plays. Um, they didn't get that. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see if they feel similarly against LSU. My guess is, you know, that's that's a little bit more of a vulnerable defense. You might see more, um, you know, they might feel a little bit more confident about what they can do. Um, but, you know, I do think there's some validity to what you're saying. I, I Everything is down the field. And that's, you know, that's what Lane Kiffin – has built this offense around is, you know, they run the ball effectively and they score from far, right? That's the tagline. So um, I do understand the trepidation to kind of move away from your identity, um, you know, but sometimes the situation calls for it, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It, especially when you're playing like Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Because if you look at the ESPN FBI, th- this is the weird thing. And there's a weird thing going on in the Ole Miss fan base this week to where they lose a game on the road at Alabama and they're acting like they got beat by Jacksonville State or Tulane or something. It is bizarre. Um, and I think there's some a shot of perspective that people need to have. Nobody's calling it a moral victory. It's okay to be upset about it, but you understand what's happening and, and, and understand the history of what's going on. It was five years ago that Ole Miss was getting 66 to seven in that stadium. It, it's kind of a different world, but – Whenever you look at this Alabama, this LSU, this, this Georgia, and you look at the FPI, those are the three games out of Ole Miss's 12 that was even a toss-up. Alabama and Georgia were solid favorites, like mid-60s probability favorites. LSU's a coin flip. In the other nine games, Ole Miss is over a 60% favorite in those games, probability-wise. Why is everybody freaking out? <laughs> I think, I think, Stephen, I think a lot of the freakout comes from the perception that Alabama is not Alabama this year. And I don't know whether that perception is incorrect. Um, I don't. You know, you, you, you obviously they lose to Texas. They look terrible on the road against USF. Um, I think if Ole Miss 
you know, goes in and, and loses by two scores to Alabama last year, the year before, um, there's a little bit more perspective being applied. Um, that obviously is not the case here. You're right. People are losing their minds. But, you know, look, whatever you think of Alabama, their concentration of elite athletes is infinitely higher than what Ole Miss has, period. Like, end of discussion. 78 uh, four- and five-star players. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I, I will never, I guess, change my perception of an Ole Miss team based on losing in Tuscaloosa, <laughs> as long as that continues to be the case. So, like you said, maybe some some perspective needed there. But, yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, I do think you can say, look, Lane Kiffin is compensated like a coach who should be winning this game occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and this was their best chance. So it's, it's okay to feel disappointment. I don't think it's okay to – it's you can do whatever you want. I don't yeah, think it's it, correct to change your 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 perspective. I don't think um like going into a Wednesday of the LSU game week, this game should not have that kind of lag in the fan base. Yeah. I, I think people should have thrown it away pretty quickly. Even even if you think that Ole Miss should have won this game, and and I the second quarter was almost malpractice. Honestly, the way it was called, and and there's plenty of things to be upset about, but. Games don't like we do this thing to where we take a data point and we just expand that out into infinity. If you lose a game, you're going to lose every other game. If you win a game, you're going to beat everybody else. And and I that that line of thinking kind of messes with me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's hard. Like it's it's for fans, and I have a different experience because I'm not emotionally invested in Ole Miss football, but you know. Well, for the teams that I am emotionally invested in, whether it's, you know, baseball, whatever, I do the same stuff. Like it's, it's hard to take something that you care about so deeply and think about it rationally. It's, it's just, it's hard. So I get it, but you're right. It's, it's uh time to move on. I think. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. Back to the LSU. You can see I'm still on that game. It's still, <laughs> still affecting me. Um, but Jaden Daniels is probably the best quarterback in the Southeastern conference. Mm-hmm. LSU probably has the best wide receiver in the Southeastern Conference in Malik Neighbors. That is half of LSU's passing yards. So I am trying to figure out how Ole Miss is going to try and limit Jaden Daniels, who can run the ball. He ran for over 100 yards last year against Ole Miss. And how do you do you, they're going to move Malik Neighbors around? I talked to um Blake Rafino on Are You Serious Sports? And he, he was like, hey, they're, they're moving neighbors around and doing all that stuff. I'm trying to figure out how Ole Miss can slow that down because that seems to be the key in this football game is trying to break up the Malik Neighbors and Jaden Daniels um, relationship. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of coaches wish that they had the answer to that, but um You know, it's tough. Like, I don't think Ole Miss has a guy who can, you can just slap on neighbors and, you know, that you just, just remove him or limit him. Um, So I think you have to get after uh, Daniels. You have to make Daniels uncomfortable. That's the best way. I think when you have that kind of situation. Um, And then once you do that, you, you have to limit his ability to scramble and extend the play. I think 
Lane Kiffin said this is not the case. Um, very rarely will I say that, like, I openly, like, disagree. Um, Centurion Perkins is going to spy Jaden Daniels, right? Um, but, uh, you know, so I think that's probably going to be their answer there. So we'll see. Um, you know, I don't think you have to stop them. You just have to keep them from going nuclear. Yes. The, the over-under is nearly 70 points in this game. They're, expect points um, this week. Um, I, what I would do if I was the defensive coordinator, if I was Pete Golding and I'm not, is I would spy with Suntary and Perkins from the right-hand side of Jaden Daniels to where you force him to the left. Mm-hmm. And you, you probably want to force Jaden Daniels to the left as much as possible. Whenever he scrambles to the right, that's obviously his right-hand dominant right. side and plays can be made deep downfield. And Ole Miss is having a problem giving up explosive plays this season on defense. The defense has been pretty good in the red zone. I think teams are only scoring like 42% of the time touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, if you can eliminate explosive plays, I think even as good as this LSU offense is, I think Ole Miss has a chance to win this game actually fairly comfortably if they can do that. If if LSU's offense goes off and they're, they're rolling, is Katie bar the door. But if you can limit explosives and – do the things that you can limit that offense just a little bit. I'm talking about giving up 31 points. I'm not right. talking about yeah. shutting down the thing. If you do that, I think Ole Miss can win this game. Yeah, I agree. Look, um, if you're a person who believes in analytics, uh, you know, the EPA numbers on these two offenses are very similar. Um, the difference, or one of the major differences, is that Ole Miss, um, their field positioning has been atrocious. Uh, so, you know, they need to play well on special teams, can't turn the ball over. They need to win that battle. Um, and look, I think they can go ahead. I really do. I think, you know, a healthy, and that's what we think this is going to be. A healthy Ole Miss offense is perfectly capable of keeping up perfectly capable. There's no reason that they can't, you know, and another thing that I think is going to be interesting for people to watch this game and Lane Kiffin mentioned it earlier in the week, but I think he's actually going to do it, is I think there's going to be some variance in the run game, and it's not just going to be inside zone. You're going to see counter. You're going to see gap scheme stuff. You're going to see them consciously try to get Quenshawn Judkins going because against LSU, you have to earn the right to go against that weak secondary. If you can Mm -hmm. do that, you have a chance to be successful, but you need to earn the right because if you get into third and long against these guys – they're going to put Harold Perkins on the end. They're going to get after your quarterback, and it's going to be a long day. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So, what are you looking forward to in this game? I am looking forward to, and we t- touched on it again, is what Centurion Perkins just did last week repeatable? Um, I don't know. I suspect it, probably he's an elite athlete, but – pretty Harold Perkins from last year. It's almost like yeah. watching that. Yeah. Uh, I have a story coming out tomorrow that basically says exactly that. So L- Listen uh, to that. And I did not plan yeah. this, but yes, get the clarion ledger, read the go. story. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I talked to some talent evaluators and basically said, yeah, very similar. So, um, you know, that's one thing I, I want to see. The Ole Miss offense with all of its weapons. And I know, I mean, Trey Harris was limited last week. I know he played, but healthy Trey Harris, 
Zakari Franklin, Caden Priestborn on the field, Quinchon Judkins, presumably, you know, uh, healthy. Um, what does this look like? Mm-hmm. It does this change the dynamic? Do they become more explosive? So um, I guess one kind of on both sides of the ball there that I'm looking at. Yeah, this is honestly the first game to where Ole Miss is actually going to have its offense on the field. This is, mm-hmm. was it game four, game five? Yeah. On the field. Yeah. It, and you actually have your weapons out on the field. I'm looking forward to seeing a healthier Zachary Franklin more so than I am. I honestly know what I'm getting from Trey Harris, and he's he's just a dude. But I want to see what that with a healthy Zachary Franklin, what that looks like. Because Franklin, Franklin at U at UTSA, I mean, he's the active leader in touchdowns receive, receiving yeah. right now. And yeah. Ole Miss seeing him, that, that's a weapon with Caden Priestcorn. There's a chance that every quadrant of the field is stressed if they do this right. 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, if you have any skepticism about, like, the whole group of five thing, I mean, Trey Harris should have removed that for you. I mean, Zakari Franklin's a dude, so I'm excited to see what he can do as well. Now, defensively, we talked about Suntarian, um, and, you know, he you figure he's going to spy. Tennyson also against Jalen Milrow was used as a spy, and he actually played pretty well. Not as not as flashy as what Centarian did, but he played pretty well. And I'm wondering, linebackers wise, if you're going to put Centarian Perkins on the field, who sits down? It's a good question. Um, you know, he's been used. They did use him on the edge a little bit. If you look on Pro Football Focus, um, they actually call him an edge rusher. Um, which is interesting. But um, so, you know, from that part of the field, you can rotate a lot there, right? I mean, I, I don't think – I think you you just take a, a little bit from everybody instead of like, all right, I don't know, Isaac Uglu, you're sitting down. Because um, I, I don't think that's how to approach it. But if he's going to play in the middle, which I don't think he will, but, um, you know, uh, again, Ole Miss has shown a willingness to rotate there. So we'll see. Um, Jeremiah John Baptiste looks like he's he was wearing a non-contact contact at a practice Tuesday, so maybe something to, to, to monitor there. I don't know, um, but I think those are both positions where you can rotate pretty comfortably and just kind of spread out the stress. All right, safety positions. The explosive plays on defense have been an issue. What, how, how do we think Ole Miss is going to try and limit those? Is, is that a personnel issue? Is it a scheme issue? What's going on there? I don't know. I mean, look, it's, you know, you don't have a ton of high, high level athletes at that part of the field. If you're Ole Miss, right. Like a lot of group of five transfers, you know, um, we'll see. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I think it has to start with getting after the quarterback. Um, if you can do that, it becomes a lot easier, um, at, on that part of the field. So I don't know. I, I don't have the, 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 a set of eyes that can diagnose, you know, what they're running and what they can change. But um, I, I do think if, if they can improve, you know, up front, that makes everything a whole lot easier. Yeah. And if, and just so everybody watching, if you want an idea that if Ole Miss is going well, if JJ Pegues is looking like a dude and is disruptive in the middle of the field, just know that it's probably going to end up going pretty well. Um he, he, he's going to be important in this game. LSU doesn't run the ball much. They run it some. Um, but him getting out of Jaden Daniels, if your spy is on the right-hand side and forcing him to the left, that is going to 
make it look a little bit different, in my opinion, anyway, David. But I do appreciate it, and I appreciate the pumpkin spice talk to start off this video. I did not, I did not expect to go pumpkin spice, but we did. But thank you very much for that, and thanks to everybody for making the Locked On Almost podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Anyway, David, man, it's always a pleasure. This is fantastic, and, and thanks for bringing it, buddy. Appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks for having me as always.